Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Could V8 supercars be close to taking their last drinks? And when isn't rubbing racing? We look at that and more today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Senator Steve Fielding from Victoria has lit the fuse once again on alcohol advertising. Last week, calling for the Rudd government to adopt the recommendations from the National Prevention Health Task Force and de-hook alcohol from sport once and for all. Saying in his official press release that the Rudd government must not waste this opportunity to tackle Australian binge drinking culture and stop the toll of violence and abuse alcohol is causing on our communities. A tax grab will not change our culture of binge drinking. This government must do more by refusing to allow alcohol to get its hooks into vulnerable young people. It must break the link between alcohol and sport by cutting booze ads during sporting events on television. Over the past three years, the involvement of alcohol companies has been expanding, partly on the back of the successful introduction to the sport by Jack Daniels. While other alcohol-related companies have been involved in V8 supercars over the years, the recent increase in money from the industry seems that V8 supercars are facing a predicament similar to the one they had to live through following the push to ban cigarette advertising. The V8 Insiders has contacted Senator Fielding to talk specifically on how the ban would affect V8 supercar racing. His office advised that he would call us back when he had time. We have still not received his call. English endurance racing specialist Ben Collins will make his V8 supercar debut in the Enduros this year, teaming up with Nathan Pretty to drive the number 15 Jack Daniels Commodore. And while we're on Kelly Racing, they have launched their new supporters club called the Kelly Gang. You can go online and check out all the offers for the foundation members at www.kellyracing.com.au. Paul Dumbrella's returned to the Autobahn Racing Shop this week following his appendectomy. He's confident that he'll be back to full force at next week's Sandown 400. Triple H's Roland Dane has announced that the engineering company is constructing a team Vodafone FG Falcon ride car. The plan is to have the ride car available from the start of the 2010 season. Team Intra Racing announced last week that they would be ceasing operations last Friday if a new sponsor or backer could not be secured. The Van Insiders contacted Marshall this week to see where the team was at, but had not had a reply before going to air.
Jason Bright is thrilled with his steps forward getting the new FG Falcon at Townsville two weekends ago. He told the V8 Insiders that it was just what he needed. Competitiveness wise, you know, I think we've made a fair step forward. You know, we had a had a bit of a mixed weekend. Uh, you know, I think we certainly showed we've got pretty good speed. In other news now, for Jason Bright, his teammate in the Enduros, Carl Ryler, will be running his old car for McElroy Racing at next weekend's Sandown Round. In a car backed by Fujitsu and Wilson Security. Wilson Security will have four cars running next weekend at Sandown as Tandersport will have their BF Falcon getting Leanne ready for the Enduros later this year. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Andrew Clark and Chris Jewell will join me to talk about alcohol and racing penalties. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bundaberg Racing and you're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Uh, joining us this week on the roundtable is none other than V8 Supercar commentator Chris Jewell. Good evening, Chris. G'day, Craig. How are you going? I'm very well, as long with uh, Andrew Clark from P101. Andrew, good evening. G'day, guys. How are you? Not too bad, and uh, we have seen already Townsville. What a success that was, but uh, it comes on the back of Senator Steve Fielding from the Family First Party and Victorian Senator, I might add, really starting to put the pressure on following... Uh, well, some reports that have been coming out to the Grudd government that alcohol advertising should be banned. Now, Chris, over the last few years, we have seen a lot of um, a lot of teams on the tit, if you like, of the, the alcohol industry. A ban stopping them from participating would be a, a huge setback in tough economic times. Yeah, it certainly would be, and um, I guess it's no surprise. It's been uh, you know a long time coming in line with... Um, a lot of the imagery and profile from fast cars, racing drivers, alcohol, drink driving, etc. So the pressure that's going to come to bear will intensify, but I'm sure that there'll be a fairly strong lobby group that can uh, talk about responsible intake of alcohol and uh, their messages that are emblazoned across all of the alcohol-supported cars we see in V8 supercars. So I think they'll have a fight on their hands, but look, it's just a sign of the times. There were those who laughed when the cigarette... Uh, um, laws were started to be uh, handed down in the old days of Evans Law, etc. But, um, yeah, a bit of a fight to, uh, to to take place now because that would single-handedly take many millions of dollars out of both V8 supercars and genuine category and also from the teams that, um, that form the V8 supercar backbone. Andrew, is the situation now with alcohol money in the sport bigger than what the uh, cigarette money ever was? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think it's anywhere near as critical as the cigarette money because... You know, we've got a lot of really good sponsors in the sport today. You know, you've got your Vodafones and uh, a lot of your oil companies and things are still involved. But, uh, you know, back in the mid-90s when they started doing this thing, you know, the biggest sponsor in the sport back then was Winfield. Um, you know, and I'm in the middle of... The, not in the middle of... I'm almost about to send to print my Mark Scaife book. And, um, you know, we're talking quite a bit about them. 
and, and how the Winfield money was kind of sucked away from them and, uh, and left that team with a, with a big hole. And, and <clears throat> we almost lost Mark Scaife to the sport back then. And uh, I think, yeah, we've got to sit back and we've got to look at it now and say, well, you know, what about if they come in today and they take away alcohol money? Jim Beam's gone, Jack Daniels gone, Forex gone, you know, um, um, Bundy Red's gone. You know, it's a big, big hole. Um, and I think, you know, if governments want to sit back and say, you know, this legal product, um, we're going to take away your ability to promote it because a few people get drunk, um, they need to start working out how they're going to cover that loss. Because um, you can't just, you know, like these moralisers, I mean, we can get into the politics of this if you like, but, you know, you can't just come in there and say, oh, I don't like alcohol, so therefore I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to fight to get off it. And, like, guess what? I've got the balance of power in the Senate, so I'm going to do what I want. Um, you know, I think it's time to get real. Um, <clears throat> every one of these alcohol companies involved in motorsport does an awful lot of work to promote responsible drinking. Um, responsible drinking with relation to driving cars, responsible drinking in general. And I think that, you know, they deserve some credit for that part of the deal. And uh, to sit back and say, you know, you can't promote your product anymore and, you know, we're just going to suck the life out of Dick Johnson and out of the Kelly brothers and, you know, out of Tom Walkinshaw and out of the sport is just ridiculous. Chris, uh, I guess the interesting thing with this is it is a legal product, as, uh, as Andrew said. Now, I have to say... I'm a teetotaler, but I uh, don't have a problem with alcohol sponsorship. I'm also a non-smoker, and I never had a problem with cigarette sponsorship. But I've got to say, what I'm seeing with the rise of betting, and uh, every now and then I have a bet, but I've got to say, to me, the rise in the betting advertising is more of a worry than the alcohol and the cigarettes. But that's me, and I guess we're all wired differently. Well, I guess there are those that would say that those three elements that you talked about um, in many stages actually go together. There are plenty of people who play the pokies and once used to smoke in the pokies and drink alcohol as well. So I haven't seen them banning those yet. So clearly there's going to be pluses and minuses against, uh, for and against for both of these arguments. But at the end of the day, I'm sure that um, V8 Supercar, if they were to piggyback with many other motor racing entities globally, they'll certainly get a very strong groundswell of support to try and deny you know, these legislations being passed to the detriment of the sport. It's, uh, it is crazy and um, you know, what will be next? I mean, soon you'll have a battery sponsor who won't be able to sponsor a race team because some child you know, has swallowed acid out of a battery or something or burned their tug on the old transistor batteries. So um, it's, it's not a storm of a teacup because it does have significant legs and it is a, you know, a vital um, human interest story. But at the end of the day, I think that there'll be um, you know, certainly a very strong argument and an argument that could ultimately find its way well up into the upper echelons of the county courts and the Supreme Courts, so should it have to do so, because it would be, in essence, restraint of trade and significantly impact on what is a genuine professional industry. But the problem, Andrew, oh, of I'm course, is... Of a, I'm a bit more, bit more sceptical and, and a bit more worried about the way the world travels. I mean, you know, I've been involved in this sport now for over 20 years, and uh, I remember when all of the tobacco stuff came in, and it was like, oh, it'll never happen, it'll never gain its legs, it'll never do this and it'll never do that. And, of course, we all know that it did. And you know, it wasn't just motorsport that lost out then. It was everything. It was the arts, you know. Like, um, you know, the figure bandied around was that Rothmans was spending $300 million a year sponsoring sport, sponsoring the arts, sponsoring a whole bunch of things. Who replaced that? You know, I don't smoke, and I don't believe in smoking, and I think that, you know, you, you shouldn't do it. 
believe that if the product is legal, you can stop the advertising of it in a moral sense. You know, legally they can do it. The government can do that and they will get away with it. So, you know, if they want to go and stop it, then, uh, you know, they'll, they'll succeed. The question is, you know, like these governments sit there and they say, you know, well, simple solution, let's just ban the advertising. Whatever happened to education, you know, like <clears throat> if you want to teach people, to, you know, not to go to the pub and get drunk and smash a glass and cut somebody's face up, start educating them. And it's the same thing with tobacco. Banning advertising didn't make one diddly squat a difference to how many people picked up a cigarette and smoked it. The quit ads did. Seeing people, you know, squeezing those horrible, yucky things out of people's veins, you know, that's the sort of thing that stops it. You need to teach people, you know, and governments can't just sit back and think, you know, oh, well, it's a bad thing, let's ban it. You know, what's their responsibility? And their responsibility is to educate. It's to join with, you know, your responsible companies like, you know, your Jim Beams and your Jack Daniels and your 4X and educate people about the processes. Um, and as I say, I think that the... the Alcohol companies do a very good job of that, and I think that they should be, you know, lauded and congratulated for what they do in that sense. You know, to turn around and allow someone like Steve Fielding to get the whole thing banned, you know, <laughs> I worry about society if that's what happens. And the big thing, of course, is that, uh, you know, if we get to... We ban the alcohol, and I'm, I'm with you, Andrew, I think this will go through in the next uh, probably three years. So unless anyone's signing up for a 10-year deal now to uh, get on the grandfather clauses, which we saw with uh, with a number of sponsorships there going with the grandfather clauses, saying, well, our contract doesn't end until, you know, X, Y, Z date. But um, I think, you know, where do we stop? We Do we stop? We see that uh, there's a code of practice in now for children's uh, suites not being advertised during children's shows. And so now what the uh, manufacturers are doing is they're saying, ah, but these foods are healthy now. We've taken the sugar out. We've done this. We've done that. We also see, um, you know, we see the whole fast food industry. Do we ban fast food advertising because fast food's unhealthy? But more importantly, do we sit back and we say, you know, and you know, either believe or you don't believe that global warming is related to, you know, the destruction of, or, or the use of fossil fuels. But Kevin Rudd clearly does. So is the next thing an attack on motorsport in general because it burns fossil fuels? I mean, this is what happens. If we, if we allow them to get away with this without arcing up, then the, you know, the whole industry is a threat. And it's not just, you know, the, the, the motorsport in general, it's the whole motor industry. You know, you see these things happening in America. I mean, um, Aston Martin's about to, you know, rebadge a to little Toyota because it needs to get its overall fuel consumption figures down to keep the American government happy. You know, we're heading into a really dangerous phase in this world. And <clears throat> as I say, I, I really worry, you know. We got rid of tobacco, you know, uh, 15 years ago. We're going to get rid of... Um, you know, alcohol advertising in the next three to four years. The second term of the Rudd government would be my guess. Um, then we, you know, when we'll start an attack on gambling advertising. Um, and in the meantime, there'll be this underswell of, you know, Bob Brown and his mob saying, well, yeah, geez, motor racing just uses a lot of fuel and pumps a lot of carbon in the atmosphere. Let's get rid of that too. Um, and it doesn't matter whether, you know, V8 supercars is running these, you know, the E85 or anything like that. It will come under threat. So, you know, anybody out there who is concerned about motor racing and about sport in general, they need to go and ring up their local member of parliament. They need to get in touch with them and say, you know, you be careful when you try to do something like this. Mm, well, I can tell you, Andrew, we tried to contact 
uh, Steve Fielding today. He was in Canberra, I'm in Canberra, and we couldn't get an interview, which was very disappointing. I did him because I complained so much about something else he was trying to do once, so <laughs> maybe I'll give him a call for you. Well, that might help, but uh, interestingly enough, he is a senator from Victoria and half our teams, Chris Jewell, are based <laughs> in Victoria. I didn't vote for him, seriously. Yeah, look, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people who'll be equally as concerned as what we are, are both fans, teams, promoters and category rights holders alike, so um, I have no doubt whatsoever it's not falling on deaf ears and it's um, it, it's genuine cause for concern, but um, I guess it's just a matter of having a, a structured and unified approach to fighting this sort of stuff. Mm. Well, we need... The beauty of it is, if you look at the campaign that Tony Cochran ran to, you know, to get the pit buildings done at Bathurst and all the other things, you know, there is a significant number of people out there who love V8 supercar racing. Um, and, you know, if, if the powers that be and everybody bandies, bands together, you know, we have a chance in this situation. And I think, you know, I, I don't want to sit back and just let it happen. Well, we do need to take a break and we'll be back with plenty more on the V8 Insiders. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Will Davison from the Toll Holden Racing Team and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, where this week we're joined by P101's Andrew Clark and the voice of V8 Supercar Racing, Chris Jewell. And guys, we'll talk a bit about racing at the moment because there has been a bit of a groundswell, a board meeting today, and talk about new penalties coming in or a new way of penalising drivers when rubbing gets a bit more than racing. And uh, for me, I hate the idea of someone sitting in their lofty tower you know, an hour, two hours after the event, making a decision which changes the outcome. And uh, I don't know, Chris, but it makes it very hard for you the next day when you have to explain why someone is not where they were the night before. Well, on reflection, I guess a lot of this has come from the incident that took place um, at Townsville a couple of weeks ago when uh, Jamie Winkup actually uh, turned around Jack Perkins in the Dodo Racing Commodore. And uh, in all honesty, I think uh, the fact that there was a decision handed down that was supposedly a decision that was arrived at prior to Townsville but never communicated to anyone in the media, never communicated to any of the teams that there were now going to be interpretation of that sort of incident, to me that just uh, smells of an absolute cover-up of the highest order. fact is they didn't take... Um, um, you know the penalty or, or apply any penalty should one have been warranted at the time of the incident and instead of admitting that that uh, was the case or not um, they've actually, and, and instead of having to give, make somebody give a trophy back should they have had a penalty or otherwise I just think that it's a big cover-up campaign based on the fact that uh, it was an, an inept 
call or, or in fact an opportunity for them to make a call either way, whether a penalty should have been handed down or not. Um, and I just think that it's, uh, it's not right that we continually cover up and make uh, concessions for people. If the rules are the rules, let's state them at the start of the season. Let's go racing and race according to the rules. I was at the recent Coke 0400 at Daytona when Tony Stewart and Kyle Busch came together and the rule is you can't move twice on the run of the finish line. Kyle Busch did. They tore his car up. He got upset. Tony got the victory. The next week, no one's talking about it. End of story. I think, Andrew, the thing is... It has always been the soft, soft, hard rule, hasn't there? If you that's if you're slower than your opposition, he gets to give you two soft ones to let you get out the way, and then he gets to put you around. Yeah, or the uh, the push to pass rule, I suppose, in those situations. But yeah, you know, the, the reality is, it. Um, I, I reckon that over my time, I've seen an awful lot of really bad decisions made that have cost people not just races and rounds, but possibly championships. <coughs> Um, and, and the one that stands out to me the most of all is the Greg Murphy penalty at Winton, um, probably ooh, five years ago, when he um, he got on the brakes. Oh, sorry, Craig Lowndes was in front of him and jumped on the brakes in the, in the sweeper, and Murphy touched him and copped a penalty for it, and that probably cost him the championship. Yeah, that's a pretty big decision. Um, I'm not in favour of summary justice. I don't want people be given drive-through penalties in the middle of a race. I would much rather have Chris have to stand up there on Sunday and explain X, Y and Z. But the beauty of it is that it doesn't matter where you finish now on Saturday, Sunday's a whole new day. So Chris is not going to have to do that. He's not going to have to say, well, you know, of course we gave a 30-second penalty to Jamie Wincup, so now he starts in seventh rather than first, because it doesn't happen anymore. These things are self-contained units. That's what V8 Supercar wanted. And I'm all in favour of saying I'm not going to hand out any pit lane penalties during a race, any. Not even for pit lane speeding for nothing, because in the past even that's been proven to be inaccurate. Let's sit down, let's have a hearing after the race, and, you know, we can, we're smart enough, we've got calculators, we've got Excel spreadsheets, we can work out a way to penalise that's appropriate. Um, and that's what I would favour personally. So I don't want to see pit lane penalties ever again in a motor race. Finally, what would the appropriate penalty be, you think, based on a misdemeanour if somebody blatantly turned somebody around? Um, well, I think, yeah, there's a couple of things. I think you, you scale it back to um, stupidity and blatant spinning. Um, and then you look at what time in the race it happens. So let's say, you know, Jamie Wincup turns around um, Jack Perkins while he's trying to lap him. Clearly, you know, and I don't care what anybody wants to tell me or tell me tomorrow, that deserved a penalty of some sort. Um, the question is, what was it? Um, I think we're talking about halfway through the race, so if he copped a pit lane penalty of uh, 40 seconds or so, um, it probably would have amplified out. So you might say that he deserved a you know, one-minute, 15-second penalty because of the time of the race that it happened and the nature of the incident. Then it needs to be applied before he stands on the top step of the podium and grabs the silverware, doesn't it? Well, no, I don't think you can do that. And, and they successfully do it in NASCAR. You know, they hand out penalties, points penalties afterwards. You know, they say that the race, as you cross the finish line, is it. Um, and this is the thing that V8 Supercars came to do this year when they said, we're going to have a podium on each day because when people see somebody cross the finish line, that's what they believe has happened. Um, so if they see someone cross the finish line or they see somebody win a round that hasn't won one of the races, the crowd gets confused with the concept. So we need to come back and say, well, you know, what do we do? You know, if you hand out a penalty in the middle of a race 
and it's wrong, how do you rectify it? You can't, Conversely, can't. if you don't, and the person who gets the trophy at the end of the day appears on everybody's TV screens at the end of the uh, telecast and on the news all night, and the next day lines up 19th, then how do you explain that? Well, they don't start 19th unless they fail in qualifying. No, no, but they're talking about, they're talking about putting a retrospective band. So like, a, like in Formula 1, if you change an engine, you get a five-position penalty. They're talking of bringing that in. Okay, well, let's, let's put that one on the table right now. That is absolutely, completely and utterly ludicrous. Um, to penalise somebody in the next race because of a misdemeanour they did in the last race, unless you're going to get to the point where you know, you're like an AFL or a rugby league thing and we can suspend somebody from a race meeting, um, that's not on. You take the points off them at the end of the day and you move on to the next day. Even though they may have claimed the trophy, they still they, they get the points taken from them and they, the next day people say, no, he didn't win. He came seventh after they applied a penalty, penalty to him, yet he actually was on the top step of the podium with the trophy. I think they need to make some um, more uh, diligent and vigorous decisions to actually penalise people who are seen to be making blatant error. Make the penalty severe enough. Like, you know, what do you get for a win these days? 100 points, 150 points, whatever it is. You know, if you're seen to blatantly turn somebody around, whack them with the whole 150 points. Do you reckon people are going to make that mistake again? Do you reckon Jamie Wincup would turn around a backmarker tomorrow if he'd been penalised 150 points for turning around Jack Perkins? I don't reckon he would. I, I prefer penalty summary judgment. Penalty is severe enough. People will not do it. So make it severe, make it savage, make it have a massive impact on their championship and you watch them sort it out. Otherwise, my view, my alternative view, is just let them go. They'll sort it out in the long run. That's right. Take a number and get back to them. The James Garner process. <laughs> you know, this is why I like the summary judgment. Gas and go time. And, of course, you've only got days left to get your vote in on how you want to see V8 supercars run. It's the, of course, biggest survey on the planet for V8 supercar racing. And it's at the 4X website, the 4X V8 supercar website. Have your say in how V8 supercars should run. I know Andrew's already had a few options on how the V8 supercar world would run under Clark domination, but uh, the time is running out. It ends on the 31st of July, your chance. So, gas and go. First up, Chris Jewell. Who has been the biggest surprise this season? Uh, Michael Caruso in his race winning and, and, and consistently fast speed. He's gone from uh, being an interloper in the top ten to genuine front runner everywhere we go. Andrew? Uh, I think definitely Caruso, but I'd go for the whole of Gary Rogers Motorsport. I think you know, they, they've proven they can you know, really match it with the biggest and the best in this game. And I, I think yeah, both uh, Caruso and Holdsworth under Gary Rogers' guidance have been sensational. Mm. Who has been the biggest disappointment, Andrew? Oof, well, we could go through a long list in there, really, couldn't we? I mean, anybody who's not winning at the moment, so um, win cup safe. <laughs> but uh, probably anybody else, I mean, I think... Um, uh, I think the HRT boys have been a bit disappointing to me. I expected a bit more consistency from them. And I'm not talking about them just as drivers. I'm talking overall as a team. Um, and that includes the extra two cars. Um, <clears throat> you always get disappointed. I think you, you look at um, you know the battles that guys like Marcus Marshall have had just to stay on the grid. I mean, that's you know disappointing in, in itself. But uh, in terms of on-track performances, I mean... Yeah, to me, it is anybody who's not leading. Um, you know, Craig Lowndes could be disappointed. Um, you know, James Courtney could be disappointed with the inconsistency. Um, Stone Brothers, 
um, you know, anybody but uh, but Jamie Wincup to me is, he should be disappointed so far. Okay, Chris. Sprint gas racing, in a word, shocking result to be in the bottom four in the championship with uh, the drivers they've got at their disposal, and Steve Richards and FPR in general, regardless of what Frosty's done, uh, seventh in the championship for Frosty would be underachieving, and Steve Richards' uh, results even worse. What has been the best rule change this season, Chris? I reckon split it between two: the soft tyre introduction and overlapping on restarts. Andrew. I don't actually think there's been any really good rule changes this year. What has been the uh, worst rule change this year? Andrew. (laughs) Well, clearly it was the qualifying rule I started with at the start of the year. I mean, that was the greatest joke known to mankind. Um, I still don't like this concept of races over rounds. I think the, uh, the moving away from our traditional understanding of the sport to go to this race podium per day thing, I... I don't understand it, I don't like it, it's nothing to me. So, you know, I'd say both of those things were just bad decisions. Chris? Uh, The compulsory fuel stop window being reintroduced after lap five as opposed to people stopping any point before lap five and the whole 50-litre rule, which was originally going to be a smaller tank thing, has just been a mishmash of of decision-making and application. Mm. I'm not a fan of any of these rules that (laughs) contrive the activity and I think you know and you look at what the sport is and you say well you know there it is you know you need to put in fuel if you need to put in fuel yep that's exactly right if you're going to run out of petrol that's why you put it in guys uh Chris what do you think the series or how do you think the series has weathered the global economic crisis so far probably significantly worse than it would uh, ultimately appear Uh, if you really dig beneath the cracks there's teams who are nearing the brink and one team that's just about past the brink in Marcus Marshall's uh, inter-racing operation but there are some teams out there really doing it tough and there's two teams that are going to be lucky to make it a Bathurst. Andrew? Well I think uh, some teams are lucky they've had some uh, some deals that have gone over you know over two three years uh, I don't think we've seen the worst of it yet inside the sport um, and I think that's why you know they're bunkering down and they're trying to work out you know really seriously getting to this cost containment issue that's been hampering the sport for a while so to date you know we haven't done too badly as, as Chris says you know there's a couple of teams really struggling you know the chances of Marcus Marshall even making sand down are pretty slim you know there's other teams you know like um, Jim Beam Racing just put off six people you know Jason Bright's at risk a, a very serious threat um, so I think you know some teams are really struggling but I honestly don't think we've seen the worst of it yet in the sport I think there'll be a delay phase there'll be a lag um, when when companies have to reassess their sponsorships. Mm, well, it's interesting times ahead, that is for sure. That's Gas and Go for another week, brought to you by the V8 Supercar Fan Survey. It finishes at the end of this month, so get in there and have your say now. That's it for this week on V8 Insiders for the Roundtable section. The white flag lap is actually a good friend of yours, Chris Jewell. It's uh, Jason Bright talking about uh, Townsville and beyond. It's uh, a quite an interesting interview Peter Norton did with him. But, uh, Chris, thanks once again for your time. Cheers, no problem at all. And to you, Andrew, uh, we wish you all the best and uh, look forward to seeing you all down there at Sandown. Yes, it should be nice and warm in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> the white flag lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. G'day, it's Greg Murphy from the Sprint Guest Racing Team, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. 
showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. On this week's White Flag Lab, Peter Norton caught up with V8 supercar driver Jason Bright and asked him about going to Townsville and if there was anything he thought they could improve on for next year. Well, I, I haven't seen you know too much they could improve. I, I think that, you know it's, it's it's gone exceptionally well. You know the, the guys that have put it all together have done an awesome job. The track was very good. Um, you know the the small issues like you know the track breaking up in a few spots. We're, we're bound to happen in this you know, in this temperature and with these cars. And um, you know, I think that the the fact that we didn't have any major catastrophes with the track is is a you know is, shows that they've done an awesome job considering the, the the weather troubles they had earlier in the year to to pull it all together. And you must be proud of that, uh, particularly as a board member of V8 Supercars Australia, that a lot of the the strategy that's been taking shape over the last couple of years is really playing out. I, I'm I'm very proud. Of, you know, I, I you know this this event. Has exceeded everybody's expectations. Um, you know, we always knew that there was a fantastic following up here, and it's a long way from from their nearest race in Brisbane in the past. And and you know, to to see V8 supercars come this far north and and uh, you know turn Townsville into a into you know what what is you know, one of our major events now is um, is very satisfying and probably shows that we can head to a, a lot of similar cities of, of similar size and and turn those cities into into a great event as well. And you know, who knows? Who knows what the future holds? The other part that uh, is striking me about uh, foresight in strategy is the Fujitsu series now is completely uh, piggyback with the main game. Uh, a couple of years ago, with the standalone rounds, uh, that wouldn't be shaping up too well in the current economy. No, would that you know? The, 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 you know, there's no doubt that um, you know, there's a lot of sports doing it tough at the moment. You know, V8 Supercars is weathering that storm pretty well. Um, you know the Fujitsu series is, is probably a little bit down on numbers this weekend, but um, you know, on the whole, you know I, I think that it's still a very strong series, and, and you know I think that it'll it'll um, you know, it, it's 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 a major benefit to, to be running on the same program as, as you know what we do in front of these large crowds because you know I know coming through the, the lower categories when I was trying to raise the money, you know the events like the Grand Prix and and the Clipsals were were the events that. You know, you can really go out there and sell to your sponsors. Now, of course, the next big challenge for V8 Supercars as a brand new event is Homebush at the end of the year. Is people nervous about that one at all in the current economy? Um, I think early on, we were, you know, we were certainly nervous, and you know, the, the first six months of this year, you know, was, um, you know, I guess, with the, with the way the economy was going and, and the way that everyone's corporate dollars were going and, and things were really tightening up, it was, it was, um, it was a concern. Um, Ticket sales have, have uh, proven that you know we, we don't really need to worry about that too much because I think the corporate side and and the grandstand side is, is selling um, better than expected, much like it did for, for this event. And you know I think that's that's probably as as satisfying as how big a success this weekend's been because Homebush was was certainly going to be the tougher market to break into. So you know to to see that the, the sales and everything are, are going so well. This early in the piece is um, is, is really good, and you know, corporate-wise, um, you know, I, I, there's not many sports that I, that I that I think would be doing that well um, at the moment. But you know, for, for Sydney, we only go there once a year, and, and that that's our big event. I think that's probably one thing that we've certainly got in our favour. Sydney is definitely still the undiscovered country. 
for V8 Supercar Racing. My thanks to Andrew Clark and Chris Jewell as the checkered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.